What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Natasha Novak on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her. I said your last name, right? Didn't I? Yes, that's correct. Perfect. I didn't ask you before. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you'd like with your story. Okay, great. Um, first off, thank you for having me and thank you for creating this amazing community. I can't tell you like how much um, it has been a huge support to me as I've gone through um, losing a couple of babies. I'm sorry, I'm already getting really emotional here. Um, <laughs> so uh, my husband and I first met um, back in 2009, actually, um, at the University of Arizona. And um, Oh, actually, it was actually actually four years before that. In two thousand five, we started dating in two thousand nine, and um, we dated for a few years and got married in March of two thousand fifteen. And we decided that we would wait a year and then discuss, you know, you know, if we wanted to start trying, kind of where we all were in our own timeline. And as our year approached, um, we said we weren't quite ready. We wanted to wait a couple more months. Um, and that of August of 2016, that we would just kind of just take away the birth control and see what, what would happen. And I was very lucky, um, one of the, um, that I was able to get pregnant the first time, um, with my first pregnancy. And, um, I didn't realize, I realize now, um, that I was very naive with my first pregnancy, um, we in May of 2017, we had a beautiful baby boy. Um, didn't have any complications with my pregnancy or anything like that. And um, when I gave birth to him, unfortunately, I ended up having to do a C-section because he decided he just didn't really want to come out. And I joked that, you know, we had to bring him out through the sunroof. Um, and but he was healthy, nine pounds even. Um, and we went from there and we, we decided that because I had a, a C-section that we were going to wait the two full years to try again um, because I wanted my body to fully heal and I also wanted to try to have um, a vaginal birth the next go around. So when our son, Dimitri, turned two last year in May, um, we decided let's go forth and let's try again. And I didn't think much of it. I was like, you know, we, we got pregnant right away the first round, like it, you know, it should be pretty simple. Um, we got pregnant once again in August and we were both really excited. Um, you know, being able to see Dimitri become a big brother, expand our family and everything like that. Um, I had contacted my doctor and um, set up an appointment to go in. Um, I was going to go in in September, middle of September. Um, and when we went in September of 2018, she, we, you know, we did all the tasks, the urine tasks, and that my numbers looked really good. 
um, where she was like, no, everything right now looks great. We'll schedule you next week to come back to do a dating, um, just to make sure everything's looking good. And so the following week, I was scheduled to come back that next Monday. And um, I went to work not thinking much of it. My appointment was after work. And so I drove across town to my appointment and my husband met me there. And, you know, we were just talking to the ultrasound tech, not thinking much of it. Um, very basic. Um, I do remember thinking that they didn't, you know, let us hear the heartbeat. Like, and I remember when we had Dimitri, their first ultrasound they were like, hey, do you want to hear the heartbeat? And we're like, yes. And, you know, we, the room was just kind of came alive with his heartbeat and everything like that. Um, they didn't ask for this round. And I, did, I thought that was kind of odd, but, you know, maybe it was okay. Um, and she said, you know, she'll be right back. Go ahead and for me to um, get covered up again. And uh, she'll be back in. And so I, you know, buttoned up my pants and everything like that. And I sat up on the table and my husband and I were just talking. And um, the door opened, the doctor came in, and I just knew, I just, I saw on her face, and I looked at her, and I was like, I'm having a miscarriage, aren't I? And she just looked back at me and goes, did you know? And I said, no, but why would you be here? And she said, yes, that I was, that I had lost the baby, that there was no heartbeat. And... Um, the baby looked like, um, the baby has looked like it stopped growing about six weeks and I was almost nine weeks and I didn't have any indication that I had lost the baby. Um, I was still very, um, early symptoms of being very sick, very nauseous. Um, I was struggling eating, um, my, my breasts were tender, so I didn't show any symptoms that, um, I was losing the baby, um. And so they took me over to my doctor and um, she sat me down and, you know, she apologized for the loss and said that, you know, it, it really, you know, it's really awful. And unfortunately these things happen um, and it's early on. So we don't, you know, we don't know for sure. And since it was my, my first miscarriage, you know, there was not much concern um, of it because, you know, they say, you know, it does happen, unfortunately. Um, she gave me, three different options um, that I could just wait it out. Um, she didn't recommend that one because I was already nine weeks along and the baby had looked like it had passed around six weeks um, that I could be given um, medicine to take and I could pass the baby at home or I could go through and have a DNC. She told me to go home, um, discuss it. My husband and I discuss it to see what option is best for us. And, um, and let her know um, that she could also schedule me as early as that coming Friday for a DNC if we did choose to go that route. Um, so my husband and I went home um, completely heartbroken. Um, but that night just seems kind of in a, in a haze because we just kind of went through our night routine of just trying to kind of keep it together in front of our son. Um, he didn't quite fully get that um, there was this baby in my tummy because when we had told him he just kind of laughed it off he was like no baby in mommy's tummy um and and so we put him to bed that night and um, we just we kind of talked about it and we kind of we felt that I should probably go through with the DNC because my body had showed no signs of 
um, of losing the baby. And so the next day I contacted my doctor um, and scheduled the DNC for that Friday to go in. And I took that Tuesday off and my husband and I just kind of stayed in the house. It was actually a very rainy, gloomy day. It was kind of like the perfect fitting for all of our emotions and kind of started trying to figure out what to kind of do next. Um, and so that Wednesday I went back to work because I had meetings and IEP meetings to do and lesson plans to do. And I kind of forced myself to get back into the daily, daily grind of it. Cause I thought that if I put myself back into it, that I wouldn't feel as much pain. I wouldn't hurt as much, um, kind of distract myself. Um, and I had told my boss and she was amazing. Um, she was very caring and, and supportive of me and said anything that I needed just to let her know. Um, I took off that Friday and went into um, the hospital to have the DNC and it just, it seemed so unreal that I was walking in there with a baby in me and then I was gonna walk out with nothing. And so they, they got me all, um, all situated and um the procedure went fine um and then um my husband took me home afterwards and i just remember just being in a daze kind of all weekend of just trying to put together everything that just happened because just all seemed so you know all of my our hopes and dreams just kind of vanished so quickly and we just you know, my husband was very supportive and it was like, what do you need? What do you need? And I'm very much of a talker and I was trying to talk it through and stuff. And he, I remember he had said to me at one point, he was, I know that for you, you have a very different attachment because it's, the baby was a part of you. Whereas I didn't quite have that attachment yet because the baby was, we were so early in the pregnancy and the baby was so, so little still. And he was like, so for me, like, I'm sad. Yes. But I'm not completely heartbroken as I know that you are right now because the baby was within you, was, you know, breathing, living in you. And I know that's going to take time. Just tell me what you need. And at the time I told him, it's like, you know, I really don't know what I need. I'm just, I'm trying to figure it all out. Um, and so a few weeks went by, I went to um, my checkup uh, with my doctor and she asked me how I was doing, and I said, I'm, I'm struggling. Like, I'm not sleeping very well. Um, I feel like I'm kind of in a haze. I'm, I'm doing my work, but I feel like I'm not doing it good um, just because I can't, I can't get my mind into it. And um, she had me fill out a um, postpartum depression form, and I was um, one point away from being, um, being sent to someone and she goes hey you know how would you feel about seeing someone and talking to someone about what's going on and I was I was sort of open about it but part of me still was like no I can I can get through it and then I finally was like you know I probably should just call and just put my pride aside and just go talk to someone so I ended up going and talking to an end-of-life doula and I'm so grateful for her um I had a session with her and she just really helped me open up and kind of just understand the emotions I was feeling and the biggest part of it was you know I had this baby and I didn't get to see the baby I didn't get to hold the baby I didn't 
you know, really good chance to say goodbye. There is no tangible object to hold or anything like that. Because she, the way she had put it was, you know, when we say goodbye to loved ones, you know, we were able to say goodbye to them, have a funeral, um, have those rituals that are part of our society to say goodbye to our loved ones. And when we miscarry so early that we don't have those. And so to honor our baby, um, who we actually ended up nicknaming Baby Rocket, um, because my husband and I are both hairy people. And we joke that our children will have no chance because they're just going to need laser hair removal treatments starting at age one. And so we nicknamed Baby Baby Rocket from Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, And so we decided to pick out a tree uh, for me to um, plant and to nurture and care for. And we nicknamed the tree Baby Rocket. And so we now have that tree and um, the tree's doing great. And it's been a great blessing and a reminder um, of our baby that we have lost. And that has helped me um, be able to grieve and to have that portion of it. And I've been also just much more open about it, which has helped me. Like I don't hide it anymore that like I had a miscarriage and stuff like that. Um, and from there, um, my husband and I decided that afterwards that we would just kind of just put it in God's hands that, you know, when we were meant to have a baby, we would have a baby. And so we didn't go back on birth control. Um, we just kept going on. Um, well, a couple months later in December, um, I was finishing up the, um, our, our second quarter of the school year, um, before we went on Christmas break. And I remember that we were supposed to, with my kids, we're supposed to have a, um, pajama movie day with popcorn. And that night prior, I was in the bathroom growing up and, um, I was like, oh, I wonder if they gave me, I wonder if one of them gave me the flu or something like that. Like, I really don't feel good. And I ended up missing that day and I was really bummed. And then, um, a few of my coworkers were like, are you pregnant again? And I was like, no, there's no way like that could happen. Like so soon after, um, losing our last baby. And I kind of brushed to the side and it was like, no, it's, it's not that way. And, um, a few days later I was, I started spotting. I was like, Oh, here comes my period. See, I'm not pregnant. Um, and the spotting went away. And at that point I kind of came terrified in a way because I was like oh man am I am I ready to to have this opportunity to have another baby like have I healed enough like I don't I don't know if I'm ready but here we go um and so a few days later before we were supposed to um head up to a cabin with um, my husband's family for Christmas um I took a pregnancy test and it came back positive and then I took another one because I didn't believe it and it came back positive and I told him, and I was like, I, I believe I'm pregnant again. He was, what do you mean you believe? And I was like, well, the test came back positive, um, but I don't want to say anything. I want to wait um, until we get back from our family trip, and I'm going to take another test just to see. Um, and so throughout the week that we were there, he was so nice, and he was making um, me mocktails, um, so that way no one was questioning or 
wondering if I was pregnant or not because I just, I wasn't really ready to face it yet. And so when we got back, I went and grabbed some more pregnancy tests from Walgreens and I took some more and they came back positive. And then two days later I took another one and it came back positive. And then I finally was like, okay, I, I guess I'm pregnant. Here we go. Um, but I wasn't fully ready yet to like contact my doctor. Like I was just like still in kind of disbelief that here we are again a few months later. And it took me a week to contact my doctor. And when I finally did, I was like, Hey, I'm pregnant again. I think I need to come in. She goes, okay. And so she got me in before the school year started again. And she confirmed her pregnancy. And, um, my, you know, the only thing that was showing anything was that my progesterone was a little bit lower than she would have liked. And so she put me on progesterone pills um, for my first trimester and just said, you know, everything right now looks good and, you know, we'll see you in a month and we'll go from there. Um, as the weeks went on, I, I was kind of in like denial about it. Like I just didn't, I almost didn't like let my heart think that I was pregnant because I was just like, what if we lose again? Like I'm terrified that we may lose this baby again. I just, I'm not ready for that. And so, um, I had only told a couple of coworkers at work and, and everything. And, and they were like, oh, that's great. And I was like, yeah, but keep on the down low. I'm not ready to say anything yet. Um, just keep it between us. And I continued going about my daily life as normal. Um, I'm a big Orange Theory fan, so I kept going and was doing my workouts and, you know, doing everything at home, just um, keeping the house in order and everything. And not really acknowledging the pregnancy because I just, I wasn't ready yet. I needed to hear the heartbeat again before, um, I would really start to acknowledge it. So when we had our, um, dating, um, I was, um, just over six weeks and there was a solid heartbeat. And I just, I breath, I had this breath of fresh air. I was like, Oh, thank God there's a heartbeat. I'm so grateful. Um, but I still wasn't ready to say anything. So I, so my husband, I kept it we were secret. Um, I was very lucky with this pregnancy that I didn't have any morning sickness. I didn't really have any food aversions or anything like that. So I was able to hide it and just keep going. My energy was a little bit lower, but like, I just, you know, kept my normal life. Um, I had another appointment at 10 weeks and that's when I kind of really was like, all right, I'm really fully going to accept this, that I'm pregnant. It, everything's going good. There's a solid heartbeat and that's all I can ask for right now. Thank God. Um, and so week, two weeks later, I had my 12 week, um, ultrasound and again, we had a solid heartbeat and we had decided that, you know, from there that we would go ahead and tell our family and our friends and everything like that and really open up about it. Um, the ultrasound went well, um, baby looked, looked, um, like baby was developing well. The only thing that they were concerned about was that she was um, moving her neck up and down, but they just thought that she was just being stubborn. And so the doctor had me go ahead and do the full genetic testing. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And I got the results back in a couple of weeks and everything um, came back great. Everything was in normal range. There was no concerns or anything. And so my husband and I just had like this breath of fresh air again. I'm just like, oh, okay, we made, we made it through that that first 12 weeks and we were like we did it we made it through 
you know, we're going to have this baby. It's going to be great. Dimitri's, you know, understanding he's going to be a big brother. He's been saying that, you know, there's a baby in mommy's tummy. Things are going, things are going really well. And, um, we were very grateful for everything. And so as, you know, the weeks went on, you know, my belly started growing, um, started posting some pictures, you know, of my belly and just being so grateful that, you know, we were going to have our rainbow baby and it was going to be great or we were praying that it was going to be a girl and that way we'd have a little girl and a little boy and, um, and we were just thinking that we were really blessed and then everything kind of started getting a little crazy with COVID and stuff and, um, um, my school, um, was closed because, due to the pandemic and so we started working from home and kind of trying to figure everything out from there um and then on april 10th um i had my um my you know anatomy scan i was 19 weeks um along i was gonna be 20 weeks that following tuesday and so we went we went in and you know they're going through they're doing their stuff and um didn't think much of it, you know, the baby had, like, a solid heartbeat coming in at, you know, 153, we were so grateful for that, um, you know, we decided that we didn't want to know the fact we were going to leave it a surprise, and so the ultrasound tech is doing her thing, you know, she's just quiet, and so, you know, baby is very active and everything like that, and they said, yep, she is, I, I felt a few flutters and everything like that, um, and then about 40 minutes in, she was like, all right, I think you know, there's a few things that I haven't been able to get that I'm going to try to bring in another tech in for to see. Um, and she went out. Um, I was just laying there with talking to my husband and everything like that. We were both kind of relieved that things, we thought things were going well. And um, one of the doctors had come in and he's a friend of ours. So we didn't think much of it at the time. And um, I thought he was coming in to, um, tease us that he knew the sex of her baby um from the test and um he goes no it's serious need to talk to you guys and I just I was just like no I can't go through this again I can't I can't go through this again and and he had me sit up and he's like guys I'm really sorry but things aren't looking good um baby has a hole in her heart um her brain is half formed and it can be one of three things it can be trisomy 18 trisomy 13 or triopoly and i just i broke down i just sobbed because i was just like why is this happening again why why we lost our other baby why we have to lose this baby because i knew that from my line of work that all three of these syndromes were fatal and when we and it would not be good no matter which prognosis prognosis it would be and and so there's a few options that we can do to kind of determine you know we can go through with an amniotesis to determine what it what syndrome it, it could be um and to figure out a plan from there. But he said, he's like, I'm going to be very honest. It's, it doesn't look good. And he's like, I just want you guys now to go home and think about what you guys want to do. And 
And I just remember we got into the car and I was just, I like looked at my husband and I was like, can I call my mom up? Because I, I'm going to need help with the tree. I can't, I can't do this. I need, we, we're going to need all the support that we can get. And he said, yes. Yeah. So I called my mom and I was like, I need you to come up here, please. Things, we, we're heading home from our ultrasound and things aren't looking good. And she immediately got in her car and drove the hour and a half up to our place. And um, we told our families, you know, what was going on and that um, we, would pro- we were going to go forth with the amniotesis on Monday. And all week long, um, I was a mess. I was just crying on and off. And I just remember praying over and over and over again that if our baby was not meant for this world, for, for God to take her because, like, I didn't want her to suffer. I didn't want her suffering and being born and having to gasp for air or to feel her organs failing or anything like that. I just, I wanted her to have peace. And I just wanted her to be safe. That's all I wanted. That's all I wanted for her. And and so on Monday, when we went in, um, I had asked the doctor, I was like, I want you to show me on the ultrasound. I want you to show me her brain. I want you to show me her heart. Like, I need to see it with my eyes. And he showed me. And her brain was shaped as a crescent. Um, the back part of the brain wasn't there. And there was... Um, a giant hole in her heart where you could see the fluid going in and out. And I knew just it it wasn't good. And so um they got me all set up for the amniotesis. Um but as they were scanning her they realized that um her kidneys were starting to fail and um my amniotic fluid was decreasing. And um her heartbeat which was so strong on Friday at one fifty three had gone down to ninety two. And so I knew my, I knew my prayer was just slowly being answered. And so they went forth the amniotesis and it took them three times to um, be able to safely pull out the amniotic fluid because it had dropped so low. And he said, you know, we should have the results in a couple days. Um, and we'll let you know from there you know, and maybe we can form a plan of, you know, what we want to do. Um, and as they had finished, her heartbeat had dropped a little, had dropped even lower. And so they were checking her constantly and they said, you know, do you want to wait for another half hour? Do you want to go home and you can come back tomorrow? And I said, I just want to go home. We'll come back tomorrow and see um, what happens. And so I went home and I rested and stuff because after amniotesis, you're not supposed to do any heavy lifting. You're just supposed to rest and everything. And so um, I just rest and I just continue to pray that like if, if she wasn't meant to be here with us, that God would take her and uh, so that she would just be at peace. And I, I went to bed that night and I woke up the next morning and I just knew, I knew in my heart and my gut she was no longer with us. Um, and in fact, my stomach had actually gotten smaller. Um, it had, um, drunken. And so we went in that afternoon to see if she still had a heartbeat. And when we went in, there was no heartbeats and there was no amniotic fluid. She had, 
past sometime within the evening or the night. And uh, at that point, we had asked the doctor to um, let us know if baby was boy or girl. And baby was a little girl. And I just remember I just it broke my husband's heart because he wants, he wants a little girl so bad. And I just, and it just rocked our world. And I just remember, like, my husband made the comment of, like, I saw on Friday someone knocked us from Mount Lemon. And just, we're just, we just keep falling. And we just keep hitting every cactus rock along the way. And there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. And I said, yeah, that's kind of what I feel. I just feel battered and bruised at this point. Um, at that point, we went home, and my doctor had called and said that, um, you know, she was sorry for her loss, and she hated that we had to go through this again, and that we needed, um, you know, that, you know, they were there for us and everything like that, and that we had some options. Um, we could um, let nature run its course um, and see what happens, or, you know, what she recommended was she would send in a pill to um, our pharmacy and um, I would um, insert it vaginally and within a few hours it would start um, labor for me and that she could make an appointment for me to come in the next day so I could deliver our little girl. And, and so I got off the phone with her and Walter and I, you know, sat down and talked and, you know, what do we want to do? Are we going to go go forth with the pill and you know just have deliver a little girl or do we wait and we ultimately decided that you know we would go forth with the pill because there was no point in waiting at this point and so um I drove to the pharmacy and picked up the pill and at 11 o'clock that night I um I took the pill and about between 3 30 and 4 the next morning um, the contractions and cramps started and I had an appointment at our local hospital at 7:30, And so I just had to wait at home and kind of labor through it. Um, and we were recommended to pack like a to-go bag just in case anything happened or we had to stay the night at the hospital or anything like that. Um, and so my doctor had told me that my husband would would be allowed into the hospital and um, he would be able to be there in the delivery room with me. And so we drove to the hospital um, and as this is mid-COVID, um, you know, we got there, we, they took our temperatures. My husband had to wait outside the hospital until I was inside the room and then he was allowed to be walked back into my room. Um, they hooked me up to the IV, they drew some blood and everything like that. They, um, they walked us, um, the nurse, the nurses there walked us through, you know, what would happen if we wanted to, um, hold our little girl when she was delivered. And we both agreed to be dead. We wanted to hold her. We wanted to see her. Um, and they asked if we had wanted pictures taken and um, we said yes because even though we know that we're not ready to see the pictures right away that we wanted them for in the future when we were ready and so at that point um, they 
they got all of our information and it was a waiting game and they said it you know it could be in a few hours it could be an all-day thing but at nine they were going to come in and give me um my second dose of the medication just to help labor along and so um at nine they came in and they gave me my second dose and I had to like put in my cheeks this time and chipmunk it and just wait let it dissolve for 30 minutes and um I just kind of just laid there in bed, just, you know, breathing through the contractions and the cramps and everything like that. Um, and just before 11, I had gotten the urge to, um, that I needed to pee. And so I had gotten up and I had gone to the bathroom and I started um, going and I just felt different and I, and I didn't know what, and I kind of opened my legs a little bit and then um, they delivered our little girl. And I just panicked and I screamed at Walter and I was like, Walter, I need to get a doctor. I think I just delivered our baby in the toilet and I was panicking and I was like traumatized because like never did I think that I would, you know, deliver a little girl in a toilet. And I was just so scared and shocked and just I didn't know what to do. And so the nurses and doctors come rushing in. And um they moved me aside and, and I did, I delivered her and, um, we pulled her out and she was still in her sack and everything like that. And they had me move out of the bathroom. They took her out of the bathroom and they opened up the sack and everything like that and put her in a blanket. And, and this is the part where I got really annoyed because like, oh, it's quite common. This happens all the time. And I'm like, why didn't anyone say anything about this before then? Because, like, and at this point, like, I'm traumatized and I hate that the birth of our little girl has been so traumatic because, like, birth is such a beautiful thing and I wanted her to at least have that. And I feel like that was taken away. And, and I didn't know what to think or what to do or anything like that. And they just, they said it was so nonchalantly. And I was just like, this would have been good to know prior. Um, so after that had all calmed down, they had, um, wrapped her in a blanket and they handed it, handed her to us and, oh my gosh, like she had the most beautiful little toes and fingers and she was so small. She fit in the palm of my hand. Um, and I will, I will never be so grateful than that to be able to hold her and tell her that she was so loved how much we loved her and how much we wanted her and we're so sad that we don't get to go home with her. Um, and we decided to name her Amara, which meant um, loved and eternal and grace. And we felt that it fit her. And so we probably held her for, you know, a good hour, just holding her back and forth between us, just both of us crying and just, soaking in the time that we had with her um and then the nursing staff came back in and they took her and um to go get some pictures taken um for um for us um and I will say the the staff that was there the nurses that we had were absolutely amazing and so caring and so kind and just like hold mine and Walter's hands through this whole thing and just try to comfort us the best that they could. Um, 
as they had taken her away, we just kind of just sat there, just numb as can be, trying to just process everything that had just happened in the last hour. Um, and so after about an hour, they came back and asked her if he wanted to hold her one more time, and we said, we held her for one more time. And so we told him to take her away. Um, and that was the hardest thing to do and say was to tell them to take her. Um, and as we waited to be um, released from the hospital, um, the nurses had come in with this beautiful box of a blanket and a little beanie that they had for her and the pictures and they had done a little heart-shaped ceramic with her footprints, which I will forever be grateful for, that I look at every single day and cherish. Um, but I will say, the hardest, besides having to tell them to take her away, the, the other hardest thing I've had to do was leave that hospital empty arms carrying just a box of her memory. And no mother should ever have to do that. That is the hardest thing ever. And little did we know that, that, you know, we would lose two babies in such a short amount of time and just the, the grief that goes along with that and the heartache and just learning to live again in a way has been so hard. Um, I had, I had taken four weeks off of work and I'm so grateful that I did because like it took everything I had just to go through my daily life. Um, I couldn't imagine having work on top of that. Um, as we, you know, we're still, and we're still learning how to kind of go through our daily life because we, we had Amara on April 15th. So it's just, it's just been over a month since we lost her. And every day is a challenge in its way. And some days I wake up and I feel okay and I'm grateful that, you know, we have our son to love and take care of. And then there's days, like I woke up the other day just feeling melancholy and just not happy, not sad, just kind of in that in-between. And I was just here and, you know, not really present, but I was. Um, as we kind of go forth now, just trying to figure out how, you know, figure out our life again in a way. Um, we have decided that we're going to take a few months break and just allow ourselves to heal and not think about trying to have another baby again. Um, I know our doctors, um, said that, uh, when we are ready that we can go in and have some testing done, um, to see, um, if we have any genetic testing or anything like that. But, um, we will when we're when we feel ready for it. Um, no, but I forgot to say that too. That um, about almost a week and a half after we had Amara is when we finally figured out what she had. Um, there had gotten the doctor had actually gotten some blood mixed in with um, the amniotic fluid, so it had taken longer to um, to figure it out. And the diagnosis they gave us um, is that she had triopoly. So her little body had 69 chromosomes instead of the typical 49 chromosomes. Um, it is a rare um, syndrome. 
and it affects between one, I think one to 3% of pregnancies. Um, it's not genetic, think, thankfully. Um, what happens is that 60% of pregnancies that have triopoly um, is that two sperms implant um, in one egg, and the other 40% is the egg had two sets of chromosomes and one sperm implanted. And so, um, her, so she just, oh, and so the doctor had said that, you know, we were very lucky that, you know, we were able to carry her as far as, as, as I did, um, cause I had, um, lost her at 20 weeks exactly because most cases, um, the mom miscarries in the first trimester and she had made it to 20 weeks and that's very rare for that happens because there are cases where moms do deliver at full term and baby lives for 20, they usually say within 24 hours, um, baby will pass. There's been a few cases where baby has lived up to nine months, but um, it's rare and far in between. Um, and so the silver lining from there that we took was that, you know, it wasn't genetic. It was a rare thing that happened. And we just, you know, have to, you know, we, at the same time, we are internally grateful that we were able to have her 20 weeks of her life with us and she was safe and protected and so loved for those 20 weeks. And with this just being like a month out, how are you doing like postpartum wise? Um, the first few weeks was, I was a wreck. Um, there was a lot of days that I didn't want to get out of bed. Uh, my mother had stayed with us for a couple weeks afterwards and I'm so grateful for that because she kind of kept the household ready. Um, I have, um, over the last few, several weeks that have passed here, I've made a point in effort to try to make a routine out of my day, which is kind of hard with COVID. Um, but I make it a point to get up and wash my face and I take our dogs for a walk around our neighborhood. Um, I have, um, shortly after I lost Amara, I started reading, um, Zoe, um, Coates Clark saying goodbye, um, which is her personal story of having lost um, five babies. And then it also has a 90-day um, grief um, book attached to it that every day you read a little section and it has a task to go along with it. So I do the task that goes along with it. And I also set, around, set time around for a devotional where I read a devotional and I write my prayers in a journal. And that has helped me make sense of my life again. Um, and it has also made a huge difference of um, keeping in contact with my close friends. Um, some of my best friends I, I reach out daily to just, you know, talking to them, just trying to make make sense of everything that has happened. And they've been so grateful in letting me just talk about Amara and just listen to me as I process everything that has gone on. Um, once I was able to work out again, um, my doctor gave me the okay for that. I started working out again and working out for me has always been my mental time for me, my release. And that I've noticed has made a huge difference in my day-to-day -day life of being able to have that time just to, just to put aside for me. So there are still days that I, I'm struggling 
And there are moments that I just, I cry out of the blue, but I've learned that I need to accept those feelings and I need to express them. And, you know, they're going to come and go. Um, cause unfortunately grief is, is like that. Like there's days that it's over overcoming and there's days where it's, I can just kind of step over it. And then throughout what you've learned, like what would be one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation? Um, have, have your people around you because like, I don't think I would have been able to survive um, losing both babies without my core group of people. Um, my family, uh, my friends, like they have really helped me keep me standing when I felt like I couldn't stand on my own, keep me moving, um, keep me motivated. Um, and so, and just also just having them listen and just, you know, be there for me was a huge help. And I would also say, try, try not to rush back into, you know, the normalcy of life. Um, I did that the first time when we lost our first baby and it, 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 it was hard. And so when we lost Amara the second round, I immediately took time off of work and I was like, no, I'm not, I'm going to focus on me and my family and take the time that I need to grieve and to be present and to work through this. And I think that's the biggest thing is that I think you need, you need to give yourself time and grace because it doesn't just happen overnight and you need to work through it. Yes. And if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? Um, I'm on both Instagram and Facebook. Um, I tend to use Instagram more often. Um, both my profiles are set to private. So just send me a message and, um, I'd be happy to talk and, um, anything like that or reach out or anything that way. My Instagram is Natasha 11 and my name is spelled a little different. So there is an I in there. So it's N-A-T-A-S-H-I-A-N 11 and my Facebook profile is Natasha Novak. Awesome. I will go ahead and I'll link your Instagram in the description of this episode uh, so that it's easy for people to find you. So thank you so much, Natasha, for jumping on and sharing your story. It's very fresh and um, it's going to have so many, yeah, very fresh. It's going to help so many people though. So we just really appreciate it and you'll have to keep us posted on everything. I will. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Yes. We'll chat soon. All right. Thank you so much, Shelly. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Take myself, take my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.